66 years ago today, on the 6th of February, 1958, at four minutes past three in the afternoon, the darkest moment in the history of Manchester United took place. United were returning from Belgrade following the second leg of the European Cup quarter-final against Red Star. The result of the match was 3-3, which, following a 2-1 win at Old Trafford, saw United progress to the semi-finals of the European Cup for the second year running. Following a social function with the Red Star players the night before, firm friendships were made. Tommy Taylor had made friends with Dragoslav Sekularac, the Red Star player, and promised that they would go on a holiday to the Adriatic coast together. Spirits were high among the United camp. After stopping off at Munich Airport to refuel, the Elizabethan-class aeroplane carrying 44 persons, including the United team, staff, journalists, and even a supporter, crashed on its third attempt to take off in snowy weather. I don't need to go into details of the crash here. There are plenty of places online and in print to do so, should you wish to find out more about that. The results of the crash, however, as we all know, were devastating. Of the 44 people on board, 20 were killed at the scene. The injured, some of whom remained unconscious, were taken to the Rechster Isar Hospital in Munich. There, a further three perished, resulting in a total of 23 fatalities and 21 survivors. The purpose of this podcast is to pay tribute to those who were lost, and to recognise the heroic actions of those involved both at the scene and in the aftermath of the disaster. One cold and bitter Thursday in Munich, Germany Eight great football stalwarts conceded victory Eight men will never play again Who met destruction there The flowers of English football The flowers of Manchester Among those lost in the Munich air disaster were Captain Ken Raymond, who was the co-pilot of the plane, Tom Cable, who was the air crew, Bella Miklosh, a Hungarian travel agent who had helped arrange the trip for United, as this was a trip beyond the Iron Curtain into communist Eastern Europe, and Willie Satinoff, a dedicated United supporter and Manchester businessman who travelled with the club to lots of away fixtures, particularly in Europe. There were also eight journalists who were lost in the disaster. Alf Clark of the Manchester Evening Chronicle, Don Davis of the Manchester Guardian, George Follows of the Daily Herald, Tom Jackson of the Manchester Evening News, Archie Ledbrook of the Daily Mirror, Henry Rose of the Daily Express, Eric Thompson from the Daily Mail, and Frank Swift, legendary former Manchester City and England goalkeeper, now a journalist at the News of the World. Three members of the United staff were also killed in the crash. Walter Crickmer was the club secretary who'd spent almost 40 years at United as an administrator, first joining as a clerk in 1919 before taking the role as secretary. He twice took charge of the first team management too, first in the early 1930s when he and Chief Scout Louis Rocca led the team away from relegation, and the second time was from 1937 and continued through the war years. 
Crickmore was the original Mr. Manchester United, whose loss to the club was felt for many, many years afterwards. And there was Tom Curry, who had retired from playing in 1930. He joined United four years later as first-team coach and trainer, which is almost equivalent to a physio's role nowadays. Curry was a no-nonsense character who looked after established stars and newcomers alike, treated them exactly the same. He was another long-serving club man who proved very, very difficult to replace following this tragedy. Bert Wally began coaching at United after injury enforced his retirement from playing in 1947. And he worked mostly with the youth sides and became something of a father figure to youngsters at the club. He's been described as the carrot to Jimmy Murphy's stick, and his approach made the club feel like a family, especially to those younger players. And by all accounts, he was an incredibly lovely man who was unsurprisingly dearly missed. United's team at the time was known as the Busby Babes due to their youth, and along with this, they played attractive, attacking, fearless football and won plaudits wherever they played and visited as a result. The team were tipped to achieve great things and seemed on course to do so until that fateful day in Munich, when the following eight players were tragically deprived of the opportunity to achieve their incredible potential. Jeff Bent came from Salford. He was a tough tackling but skillful defender who could play on either flank. Fortunately, he struggled to break into the first team fully ahead of club captain Roger Byrne, who played in the same fullback positions. Bent wasn't initially scheduled to travel to Belgrade, but he was eventually persuaded to go as Byrne himself was feeling a bit of a thigh strain, and it turned out this was a fatal decision. The aforementioned Roger Byrne from Gorton in South Manchester. Byrne was United's respected captain, a fullback with something of a fiery temper, although he was surprisingly calm and capable on the ball. He took a mean penalty as well. A charismatic and uncompromising leader who frequently stood up for the younger players in the team. He gained the United captain's armband in 1955 and went on to win the league before entering European competition for the first time the following season. Even though he was still a young man, he was already making plans for his retirement even before the crash. He took a physiotherapy course in Salford where he met his wife Joy. Byrne was unaware that Joy was pregnant when he travelled to Belgrade and so he never met his son, Roger Jr. Byrne was the oldest of the United players to perish. He was just 28 years old. Eddie Coleman, young snakehips from Salford. Coleman lived just a few minutes' walk from Old Trafford. He's an incredibly outgoing, likeable young man. He loved music, and he was frequently chastised by Matt Busby for his teddy boy style. He was a highly skilled halfback, the swagger in his play and he was in the dawn of his career when his life was tragically cut short in Munich. Duncan Edwards. Many would argue that Big Duncan, originally from Dudley in the Black Country, was the greatest player to ever play for Manchester United. Nominally a halfback, Edwards could, and frequently did, play any position on the park. He was renowned for his physical prowess, crunching tackles, bullocking runs, sublime passing off either foot, and his rocket-powered shots. Edwards could do it all. He was a phenomenal athlete too, who once played over 100 matches in a single season for United, various England teams, and his army regiment during his national service. In the crash, he suffered 
fractures to both legs, broken ribs and severe damage to his kidneys. Despite this, he battled on and friends thought that his immense strength would pull him through. Doctors were also astounded by his resilience. However, 15 days after the crash, he eventually succumbed to his substantial injuries. And the world never got to see just how great Duncan Edwards would have become. and The heights that he probably would have reached in his career. Duncan Edwards was just 21 years old. Now, we will be doing a full episode on Duncan Edwards in the future here on Retro Devils, but in the meantime, please do read Wayne Barton's Eternal. It's an incredible biography with input from the Edwards family. I highly, highly recommend it. If you haven't read it already, please, please do. Mark Jones. Barnsley-born farmer Mark Jones grew up idolising United captain and centre-half Allenby Chilton. Little did he know that in 1950 he would make his debut in Chilton's place at centre-half, and the legendary skipper was the first to congratulate the young Yorkshireman. It would take a further three years for Jones to displace Chilton, however, which kind of became something of a, a running joke between the two players. However, once Jones established himself in the team, he dominated. He was fantastic in the air, defensively astute. The farmer became a big brother figure to his teammates, despite his young years. He was a man who liked the simple things in life. His dog, his pigeons, and his pipe. Jones was just 24 when he died. David Pegg. Another Yorkshireman. David Pegg was a nimble and athletic outside left. More of a creator than a goal scorer, who went on to win full international honours with England. Pegg was a larger-than-life character with a great sense of humour. He was great pals with his fellow Yorkshire native Tommy Taylor, who we shall also discuss shortly. The pair even performed a song about Yorkshire, called On Ilkley Moor Bartat, for their teammates and their hosts in Belgrade following the win over Red Star the night before the crash. Tommy Taylor, the smiling executioner and United's most prolific goalscorer ever. Taylor was signed from Barnsley for £29,999, with Matt Busby allegedly tipping the tea lady the extra £1 so as to prevent Taylor from being pressurised by a £30,000 transfer fee. He went on to score 131 goals in just 191 games for United. That's a strike rate of 0.686 goals per game, or more than two goals every three games, with only Ruud van Nistelrooy coming close to that ratio some 50 years later. Tragically, Tommy, along with his best pal David Pegg, moved to the back of the plane prior to the third takeoff attempt in Munich, believing that it would be safer. Sadly, this was not the case, and these young stars perished at the scene of the crash. Liam Whelan Known as Billy, Whelan was a prolific goalscorer with impeccable ball control and mesmerising skill. In an international fixture for his native Ireland against England, he once nutmegged United teammate Duncan Edwards, a feat which was not achieved by many. He scored 52 goals in 98 matches for United, including a club record eight consecutive games, which stood for almost 50 years until Ruud van Nistelrooy broke it in 2003. Whelan was a quiet, devout Catholic man who suffered bouts of homesickness during his early days at United. He was also due to be married in June 1958, a day which never arrived for young Billy Whelan. Finest football team, its record truly 
Its proud success as mocked by a cruel turn of fate. Eight men will never play again who met destruction there. The flowers of English football, the flowers of Manchester. Among those who survived the crash were Captain James Thane, who was the pilot of the plane, journalist Frank Taylor of the News Chronicle, Vera Lukic, who was the pregnant wife of a Yugoslavian diplomat, and her baby daughter Vesna, who were both rescued from the crash by United goalkeeper Harry Gregg. United manager Matt Busby survived the crash, although he was severely injured and spent nine weeks in hospital twice receiving the last rites during this period, and it was three months before he would witness his team again. Of the United players, Johnny Berry, who played on the right wing, and Northern Irish halfback Jackie Blanchflower both survived the crash, but neither played football again as a result of the horrific injuries they suffered in the tragedy. Bobby Charlton and Dennis Violet's seats were both flung out of the cabin, with both men still strapped in, and both were also rescued by Harry Gregg. They were the two men who had swapped seats with Tommy Taylor and David Pegg, and both of whom were killed instantly in the crash. It's little wonder that Charlton said he thought about Munich every single day, and that it changed him as a person, but also, eventually, that it drove him to make the most of the opportunities his survival had given him. Harry Gregg, we've mentioned a couple of times, not only survived the crash, but he went on what seemed to be a one-man rescue mission after escaping the wreckage mostly unscathed. He pulled at least six people from the wreckage and removed them to safety, and without his actions, the death toll would certainly have been higher than it was. The word hero is banded around all too often nowadays, but Harry Gregg truly deserves the accolade. To quote George Best, Bravery is one thing, but what Harry did was about more than bravery. It was about goodness. Greg then went on to play in United's next match after the disaster against Sheffield United in the FA Cup, and he was a massive part of the rebuilding process. More than that, though, Harry Gregg was a true hero. Bill Fuchs, United's rock-solid right-back, also only suffered minor injuries in the crash as the plane broke apart underneath his seat, causing him to fall out into the snow, and apparently he was hit on the head by a gin bottle on the way out. Fuchs was appointed captain of the team in the aftermath and he played a huge role in the rebuild eventually going on to win the European Cup 10 years later alongside Bobby Charlton they were the only two surviving players to do so and of course they were led by Matt Busby as manager Kenny Morgans the Welsh outside right survived the crash he was just 18 at the time and he was the youngest player involved Morgans was also the last to be found. He was discovered among the debris by journalists a good five hours after the official search had ended. He spent three weeks in the hospital but made a full recovery, physically at least, and he was back in the side by the end of the season playing nine matches but struggled to regain his form. He left United in 1961 to return to South Wales having featured only four times in his last three seasons. Albert Scanlon 
suffered a fractured skull, a broken leg and kidney damage in the crash, but he survived and also went on to make a full recovery. The left winger was back in action the following season though, amazingly, and played every single league game and contributed 16 goals along the way. He then transferred to Newcastle in 1960 before dropping down the leagues and eventually retiring in 1966. Raywood. He suffered only minor injuries in the crash, but the goalkeeper found opportunities limited, as he had done since the arrival of Harry Gregg late in 1957, and within a year he had also left the club. There's one last person who needs to be spoken about here, even though he wasn't in Belgrade or Munich, but he played an instrumental role in the aftermath of the disaster, and that is, of course, Jimmy Murphy. Murphy was Busby's assistant manager and hadn't travelled to Belgrade as he was also the manager of the Welsh national team at the time and they had a World Cup qualifying match on the same night as United's game against Red Star. There was no such thing as international breaks in those days. Incidentally, Wales won and qualified for the World Cup for the first time ever. In the immediate aftermath of the crash, Murphy took over as caretaker manager of the club amid the chaos that was unfolding. Despite being something of a firebrand character, he hated the limelight. He did not want to be a club manager, let alone at United. He was, however, driven by a profound sense of duty to the club, to Busby, and mostly to the babes themselves, most of whom he had brought to the club personally, and he'd nurtured them through the ranks into the first team. Their memory was his motivation. Murphy managed to assemble a team to get United back onto the pitch and he was able to steer them all the way to the FA Cup final, although the team unfortunately lost 2-0 to Bolton Wanderers. Despite the defeat, Murphy and his team had kept the spirit of Manchester United alive. They truly had kept the red flag flying high and sowed the seeds of rebuilding, created the foundations for a decade of success in the 1960s. They had helped the Phoenix rise from the ashes as displayed on the team's shirts for that FA Cup final. So today, we remember Jimmy Murphy, Sir Matt Busby, and the immortal Busby Babes, the Flowers of Manchester. If you've enjoyed this episode of Retro Devils, please consider subscribing on whichever platform you use. Thank you for listening.